This podcast is brought to you by Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com. A cloaked spacecraft from a distant galaxy entered Earth's atmosphere and began its long, gradual descent. Upon touchdown, a single narrow beam of light burst forth from the vessel, scanning the surface in every direction, searching, pausing, pulsating. After what seemed like hours, the ship suddenly rose and shot across the night sky, its mission apparently completed. Rumors of the strange probing light began to circulate. The media labeled it a marketing gimmick. There were reports of a night crew in the area. A few thought it a government conspiracy. Some grew curious, others anxious. Most went about their business as usual. As time passed, subtle changes were observed. Vegetation took on a slightly different hue. Animals began to exhibit unusual behavior. Newborns were affected. Fears of groundwater contamination or other health hazards began to grow. And to top it off, it was spreading to surrounding towns. What was happening to their beloved community? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, thank you, Vernon. I'm sure that meant a lot to somebody. Um, You know, they say uh, you always have to have a sermon in your pocket. And so, um, you know, I'm kind of running this team now. And it's a good thing I have some notes. um, Because maybe you'd like to expound on that a little bit more for us. Yeah, I don't want Joel to preach. I'll, I'll go ahead. So how did that feel? A little odd? Out of place? Probably you had one or more of these thoughts running through your head. What in the world was that all about? That makes no sense. What am I supposed to do with that? Surely there's more than a ser- more sermon than that today. Is he serious? What's wrong with him? That's probably the main question you are asking. Or perhaps you felt indifference. Okay, whatever. Or suspicion. Wait a minute, what's going on up, going on here? Or curiosity. I know there must be something to this, but. Or maybe even recognition. Oh, I think I see what's happening here. Or revelation. Hey, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Just like the kingdom. Just like the kingdom. This is exactly how the crowds listening to Jesus felt. A huge crowd would gather. He would tell them a story. A simple one at that. Hardly even worth, hardly even that entertaining. He would tack on the phrase, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
to give them a clue that there is more here than meets the eye. And then he would just leave them hanging. Remember, they weren't privy to the interpretation of these stories, these parables. They had no idea what he was saying. Or maybe just a clue. Or maybe in some cases, hey, I think I'm getting this. But for most, it went right over their heads. And the very reason why he would say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Some understood just enough to be hostile. Hey, what's he saying? Many were just clueless. I mean, think back to your early exposures to the parables as a child, maybe, or even as an adult. What in the world is that supposed to mean? That's exactly where they were. Even the disciples had to ask, what are you saying? Reminds me of the Sunday school teacher who showed the children a picture and asked, who is this? The four-year-olds remained quiet, and finally one little boy raised his hand. He said, teacher, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sure looks like a squirrel. <laughs> one of those they, things that aren't always what they appear, and one of those things is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God was the primary message of Jesus. It was the message of Jesus. It appears, the kingdom of God, or that phrase, appears in Matthew almost 50 times. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. The gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom of God has come upon you. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like... The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. Matthew 4, both verses 17 and 23 say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus was going throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. Matthew 9, 34 repeats nearly word for word. Jesus was going throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Matthew 5, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom. You feel blessed this morning? Even you poor? We're all poor. But we're blessed because we have the kingdom. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Matthew 19, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, referring to the children. Come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom. The primary message, the only message that Jesus preached. But it's also the primary message of the Bible. God is king. He created a kingdom. He rules it by anointing divine image bearers over it. 
They, met, they mediate God's perfect kingdom, but then man is broken, corrupted, and God restores the kingdom and man's rule over it. The Bible refers to this world as the old creation, this age, this present age, the kingdom of this world. He refers to this new kingdom as the new creation, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, kingdom of our God and of his Messiah. But we know the kingdom of God that came was not all what they expected. Their life, their very history was one of being dominated by other nations. They currently, as Jesus arrives on the scene, live under the oppressive heavy heel of Rome. Taxes alone are hard to bear, heavy-handed. Based on the Old Testament scriptures, they had every right and every tendency to expect a kingdom that would deliver them from such oppressiveness. They expected a king to return to the glory days of David and Solomon. And even better. After all, this would be the long-awaited Messiah. Not merely another Israeli king. We don't have to dig very deep to learn how far off they were in their preconceived notions. As Jesus continues his ministry, we are continually exposed to the error of their thinking. The sons of Zebedee ask, may we sit at your right hand in your kingdom? And when Jesus predicted his death, Peter rebuked him, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Judas became disillusioned by Jesus' lackluster progress toward a, pro toward a kingdom and betrayed him. And even John the Baptist, rotting in prison, sent disciples to ask, are you the coming one, or should we look for another? They were still asking it in Jesus' last moments on earth as he promises the Holy Spirit and is about to rise into the heavens. The very last question they ask, Lord, is now the time that you'll free Israel and restore our kingdom? Are you finally reestablishing the kingdom of Israel? Despite Jesus having said over and over, the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God has come near you. The kingdom of God is upon, has, is upon you. The kingdom of God is at hand. In fact, when Jesus was once answered, asked when the kingdom of God would come, he very clearly stated, the coming of the kingdom is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. After three and a half years of, of the teachings, demonstrations, Signs and wonders, 
After the many times Jesus spoke a parable saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl of great price, a treasure hidden in a field, a mustard seed. They still ask the question. But in fact, the kingdom was kept a mystery on purpose. After telling the parable of the sower, as soon as he is alone, the disciples asked him about it, and Jesus replied, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but for those who are outside, everything comes in parables. And then he explains why. To you, oh, explains why. So that while seeing, they may see and not perceive. And while hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. Now, what in the world? I thought that was the whole point. And then he says, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the other parables? Telling us there's a secret decoder ring here. And if you understand, you'll understand everything I'm telling you. I'd like to suggest to you that because of our Western mindset, because we live in a republic, because of rule by we the people, because of the Bill of Rights, because we don't live in a monarchy, because we lack modern day examples of a, of a true king and kingdom, we too do not understand kingdom. If the kingdom was packaged in such a way as to obscure in Jesus' day, it's not going to be soon unpacked by us either, especially with our biases. All the nuances of the kingdom, all the many facets, are for another sermon or a series of sermons. Um, we could spend the next three and a half years we could spend a lifetime. But today, I'd like to pr propose, propose to you that the kingdom of God is like an alien invasion. Everything is topsy-turvy. Can alien invasion be a good thing? It's not usually perceived that way. When we talk alien invasion here, we're not talking about a conquering force that comes from the galaxies and destroys all of us and takes over. We're talking about invasion of the body snatchers, <laughs> where we become inhabited by these things. The alien invader, invaders were the original seeders of this planet. The alien invaders have returned to straighten out a world that we've messed up. The invasion is not a hostile takeover. The invasion is not overt, it's covert. It's not visible, it's hidden. The kingdom is invading earth.
It is here in the midst of the, all the brokenness. It's in here in the midst of our own broken lives. Can you put that chart up? Here's just some of the contrast of kingdom of light and kingdom of darkness. Nothing that will surprise you. The kingdom of light is benevolent. Darkness is hostile. Light is life. Darkness is death. Light is love. Darkness is hate. Light is truth. Darkness is a lie. Light brings freedom. Darkness enslaves. Light blesses. Darkness curses. Light creates. Darkness destroys. Light transforms. Darkness deforms. Light enables. Darkness disables. Light empowers. Darkness is parasitic. Light repatriates. Darkness deposes. Light replants. Darkness supplants. Light restores. Darkness decays. Light brings human worth. Darkness takes human spoil. Light brings harmony. Darkness conflict. Light is a co-op. Darkness is a dictate. The kingdom of God is like an invasion. God created a kingdom with divine image bearers to steward it. Man allowed alien invaders to take over and yielded his authority. The Old Testament history is about alien inhabited men doing alien things. Things alien to God, their creator. The New Testament is about the original alien, a shapeshifter coming in the form of humans. This orig original alien had the power to inhabit humans, though he did so only by permission. That alien inhabitation completely remakes the human. Still human, but a brand new version that never existed before. The humans become aliens themselves. And as the transformation takes place, these aliens influence and affect others. It's not unlike, given this age of COVID, a viral infection. If we can say anything good, I guess maybe that's a twist. One can catch this alien infection from their neighbors. Yes. These aliens continue to exist alongside those who've been infected. But it all happens covertly. There's no test saying you have it. Even so, there is a reaction to this invasion. Every bit as the real world would, as the would-be reaction to space aliens. Fear of being undermined, deceived, taken over. The surprise at those who are taken in by it. The concern at those who are cooperating with it. Mistrust of anyone exhibiting certain traits 
or ideas. Hostility toward them and anyone supporting them. Sounds a little bit like politics today. Attempts to limit their voice or their influence. Attempts to shut down alternate opinions. Labels of conspiracy. So let's return to the parable we began with. A cloaked spacecraft. Jesus in the flesh. And then the Holy Spirit. From a distant galaxy, another dimension, heaven. Entered Earth's atmosphere. Mary became impregnated. Began its long, gradual descent. Jesus' pre-ministry. And a single narrow beam of light burst forth. Jesus, the light of the world, burst onto the scene. Scanning the surface in every direction. Jerusalem, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Searching, pausing, pulsating. He came to seek the lost. Seemed like ours. Jesus' life was just a blip in history, and yet so transforming. And the ship suddenly rose. He died, arose, and returned to heaven. And shot across the sky, Pentecost, the filling of the Holy Spirit. Its mission apparently completed, but not so. In fact, just begun. Rumors of the strange probing like circulate. The reactions to the historical Jesus, to the spiritual Jesus, to their perceptions of who he is. Labeled a marketing gimmick, those who ridicule. Reports of a night crew in the area, those who intellectualize. Thoughts of a government conspiracy when it's seen as just a religious orchestration. Some curious, others anxious, seekers, doubters, most going about their lives as usual, the ignorant, the unaware. And as time passed, 2,000 years since, subtle changes, the hidden kingdom begins to manifest. Vegetation and animals exhibit new behaviors. All creation groans and anticipates the renewal. Physical and emotional changes in one another. Newborns are affected. The kingdom impacts every area of life. New birth, recreation. Fears of groundwater contamination and health hazards the world's distortion of the message. And to top it off, spreading around towns, again, Judas, Judea, Samaria, other parts of the earth. Our earth, our day, nations, lives, tribes, tongues. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Turn. Pay attention, see with new eyes, understand. And again, because of our Western mindset, we don't.
We don't get it. The kingdom is all prevailing. The kingdom has a king. But we don't know what that means because we've never lived under it. We've never even seen it exemplified. There's so few kings in the earth anymore. The ones we're most familiar with in Britain aren't really indicative of how it used to work, how it's meant to work, how the kingdom of God works. Matthew 13 has many parables in it. One we're going to look at is the parable of the tares. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Duh. Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go pull them up? No, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. And as he often did, for the benefit of the disciples and immediate followers, he interpreted this. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age when... These will be judged, separated, and so on. The original creation was seeded with good seed. The evil invader came and sowed bad seed. Now we have one geographical space, the earth, occupied by two forces, two kingdoms, the aliens of darkness, and the restored light bearers. The two kingdoms are meant to coexist for now. In fact, it can even be difficult to know by looking who is alien and who is a light bearer, or who, who is currently an alien may become a light bearer. Alien-inhabited humans look very much the same as light-bearers. But one day. Meanwhile, the original force continues to restore corrupted alien seed to life and fruitfulness. The Bible even calls us aliens. John 15, 18 through 19, If you were of the world... The world would love its own, but because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world. John 17, they are not of the world, even as an, I am not of the world. John 18, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is not of this realm. Philippians, for our citizenship is in heaven, from, from which 
also we eagerly await. Hebrews 11. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance, and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. And First Peter, beloved, I urge you, as aliens and strangers, to abstain from fleshly lust. The question is, who invaded whom? Satan was the original invader. He is everything bad that we conceive in a space alien invasion. God is not an invader at all. He's the restorer. He restores us to the divine image bearers that man was originally. Ephesians 2.19 Consequently, you are no longer foreigners, strangers, aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Strangers is a plural form of the Greek word xenos, a person who lived in a foreign land with no rights except those given by treaty, which were few. Aliens, a form, plural form of the word paraikos, a resident alien, one who lived permanently in a foreign country, a little more status than a xenos, but still had very few rights. In Jesus, believers are no longer vulnerable and homeless. They have citizenship in a heavenly country, a place where God guarantees divine protection forever. It is the kingdom of this world that is alien. It is the inhabitants of this present age who are aliens and strangers. It is the old creation that has been taken by the deceit of an alien invasion. We could choose another sci-fi approach and says it's like the matrix. Those who perceive themselves as free are really the captives. A totally dominated existence in a tiny, tiny cell immersed in watery darkness. Most of them are oblivious to the horror of their existence, content to live out their days as slaves to an invading force of their own creation. Thinking themselves to be free, they are blind to any suggestion to the contrary. But for some, a stirring begins. There must be something more. A longing, a hunger, a drawing that ultimately leads them to the red pill, the blood of Jesus. Suddenly, all that's wrong, all the deceit, the facade, melts away. In ultimate irony, it is the creators of the movie Matrix and the message behind it that may be the most deceived. Thinking they are among the woke, um, among the woke, the red pillars, they're, 
still stuck within the very hostile world that they describe. It is they who are living in a foreign environment without rights to the new creation. It is they, the world, who suffer loss at the hands of an alien invading force. It is they who have suffered decomposition into an inferior alien existence. We are the recreated, restored to the original alien, original alien image. We are the inhabitants of a renewed existence, the new creation. We are no longer foreigners, strangers, aliens. We are they who have been submitted. We are those who have submitted to inhabitation by the benevolent re-invader. We are the ones living in the restored original, set free from a hostile invader. We no longer suffer descent into alien corruption because we are dead. We are the enlightened, invaded by the light, seeing darkness and light for what they are. The kingdom of God is here. It is they who are the aliens. Jesus might say it this way. My kingdom is not of this alien world. So what about you? Perhaps you can relate to the deception of the darkness, to the alien invasion and the corruption that it has wreaked in your life. Are you inhabited by an alien deceiver? Do you think yourself free, but have premonitions of a life beyond what you've experienced? This is true not only in a salvation sense, which we've been talking about for weeks, but in each of our lives, areas where the lie still reigns, where we don't realize what the kingdom truly means, where we can't step beyond where we've been until we see the revelation and the depth of what he has for us. Are you attempting to live in two realities, as Isaac spoke of, as an alien or as a citizen of the kingdom, trying to mix the two? Are you recognizing, as Ingrid spoke, that all have sinned? That that sin earns death? That he died in our place? That you can call on this restorer? That you can be delivered from your alien existence, from this alien overlord. Again, not just in salvation alone, but areas of our life where we struggle. Have you been granted that window to see? Today is the day of salvation. Don't miss it. The originator has come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Are you experiencing it? That incredible abundance? Or are you being drained by the alien force, forces at work, the parasitic nature living 
life through you. Are you carrying the corpse of your old man, consulting an old existence for direction, as Stephen Christie spoke of? Is there an area of your life that is still suffering alien invasion? And for those of you who may feel on top of things and feel like you're working with the kingdom of God hand in hand, are you actively furthering the expansion of this restored realm? Are you moved by the plight of the alien inhabited lost? Have you seen firsthand the corruption and death of that alien race? Are you offering the red pill to those around you? Are you invading the enemy's camp? Would you stand with me? Today was different, I'll acknowledge. But it's meant to open our eyes, to make us think differently. Hopefully it accomplished a little of that. To realize the kingdom is so different than what we're familiar with. And so much more than we know. And if it accomplished a little bit of that, I'm grateful. But today, those very things I spoke at the end, which one applies to you? Are you suffering under alien invasion in some area of your life? Whether it be, I don't even know this restorer that you speak of. Or, yeah, I know him, I love him, but this area of my life just keeps wreaking havoc, just keeps rearing its head. What do I do with that? And the answer is the kingdom. Elements that you haven't discovered or haven't understood that are a mystery because the kingdom is mystery. Or maybe it's, yeah, I'm in there with God, but I haven't really recognized the depth of pain the alien invasion has caused in so many lives. And so I sit back when I should be striving and pushing in. I'm not sure which of those apply to you. That's for you to seek and search out in your heart. But I do know God wants us to dig deeper into this idea, this message, the truths that will set free that are the mystery of the kingdom of God. So as the music plays, I just invite you at your seats or come forward, whatever you feel a need to. Would the ministry team please come forward? If there's an area of your life that needs to conform to the kingdom of God, an area where you need salvation, need answers, need something switched on that has been lacking it's available to you but if you if you know what's in your heart and know what you need to do with God you can do it right where you sit as well but the altar is available 
to those who feel in need of it.